buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. All right, welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. Today's guest is Steve Taylor. He's the founder and CEO over at Think Insurance. Steve's a SoCal native, former UCLA track field athlete, and avid guitar player. He may even jam out for us. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, Steve. Maybe. (laughs) Welcome to the show, man. This has been a long time coming. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm happy to see that every day the sun's staying out just a minute longer. So excited for uh, the summer to come. <laughs> oh, I know. I don't, I'm not a fan of winter. <laughs> I mean, we yeah. got it nice over here in SoCal though. Like if it gets under 60, we start sniveling and getting our jackets out and turning up the heater. <laughs> yes, but I do. But you know, one thing that's interesting, I lived in New York, so I'm, a, I'm allowed to like say this as a California, 60 degrees in California is like 40 degrees in New York. It's not the same. I don't know what it is about it, but it's just not the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would not do well in the cold. I mean, but uh all right. So tell me, I'm, I'm curious, usually we kind of start like, where did your sales journey start? But I want to, mm-hmm. I want to go back a little bit before that. And maybe, okay. uh, because I think that, you know, uh, people who are, you know, athletes at the level that you were, you know, typically do really well in sales for a lot of different reasons. Um, and, and, and so I kind of want to start a little bit more in like, you know, when you got into track and, you know, at what level and, and the sort of like, so take us back like a little bit before your professional career started. Okay. Yeah, no worries. Um, honestly, I started off in track and field. I was really like a basketball player for the most mm-hmm. part growing up. That's what I wanted to do. Um, track, I was kind of interested in it just because my dad had this uh, picture of him long jumping in junior high school. And yeah. um, it just always was fascinating because it's like the fence was here and its legs were way up here and I was like oh that's pretty cool and I didn't do track until my freshman year of high school and the only reason I did that was because I wanted my second letter for um, my varsity jacket I wanted to be the yeah. first person to have the letterman jacket my freshman year so I got it with basketball I got to play the last like two games of the season on the team um, and I did track and field because the year prior I broke my leg and I wanted to like get the other letter. So that was motivation for me to go, but I wasn't, wasn't fast. Uh, I think I ran the hundred meters like in 13 seconds or something. It was pretty slow. Um, the 200, I wasn't I fast. No, man. I didn't know if that's fast or not. Is that, what's fast. It, it, it's actually, it's just not, that was like the last, <laughs> the last in the heat. And I was just like you know, running down okay. and like, it looked like I was running in peanut butter. 
Um, so, you know, one of the coaches told me like, Hey, why don't you try out, you know, triple jump and long jump? And I was like, I don't know what the hell triple jump is. So, you know, I told my dad about it and he was like, yeah, you might actually be good at it. Then I tried it out and I was okay. Um, it got me off of JV and put me on varsity. So I was happy about that. Sounds and like then, you're a little, uh, then. <laughs> sounds like yeah, you'd be a little humble there. Well, it, it was like, um, it, it was more like, um, I was better than my environment around me, but luckily this, uh, great gentleman by the name of, uh, Terrell Lee Davis. Uh, he was our school. I got to watch him. He was a senior when I was a freshman. He set our school record of 47 feet, like right in front of me one day. And it was awesome. Cause like, I was barely going like 36, 37 feet. So he was going 10 feet further. And it was like, man, it was very inspirational to see how much further he was going than, than I was. And, um, you know, then from there, I just started to say to myself, like, that's my benchmark. That's what I'm going after. So the following year I ended up going like 45 feet, then the next year I went 48 feet, uh, my junior year. And then my senior year, I went around like 48, 49 feet. And then, um, then, yeah, I mean, even though I was going far in my junior year, I was like top, I don't know, five or six, uh, returning in the state. I still didn't get all the letters from UCLA and from all these different schools. Uh, <laughs> so I actually made a list of every school I wanted to go to. And I just, called up every head coach and jump coach and I wrote a script because I was getting nervous on my first few calls. Hey, my name's Steve Taylor. I'm out of Oxnard, California. I go to Wyoming High School. My GPA is 3.8. My SAT score is whatever it was. Um, are you guys looking for a jumper? Here's how far I go. And then oh. I either got a yes or a no. And my first <laughs> four calls I actually got no's. Um, they're like, no, you know what? Honestly, we don't need jumpers. We're looking for distance runners right now. It's like, well, why is that? Well, because a distance runner, they're one scholarship and we could use them for cross country and we could use them for track. And I was like, hey, damn, that's pretty smart. Don't blame you. Mm. And I was like, well, hey, man, um, look, hey, if, if you if your 17 year old son was calling somebody up uh, or 16 year old, because I was 16 at that time, um, if your 16 year old son was uh, calling someone like yourself up, what, what would you want that coach to tell him? He's like. Call up Georgetown they need a jumper and I was like okay great so I called up Georgetown because that was definitely on my list and I was you know just like went went around to different people and then um UCLA they didn't quite yet have a, a coach in place for the jumps and um I kept calling and sending my transcript in because you're allowed to call them they can't call you until like I think it's August your senior year at that time so in doing that, I mean, I really wanted to go to school. I didn't want to go to community college. I just like mm -hmm. always saw myself at a division one school and basketball didn't seem like it was going to be it. Um, so I just kept sending my uh, transcript until the coaches saw it. And then one day a uh, coach by the name of Tony Vini calls me up and says, Hey, Steve, Hey, we, we got all 50 of your transcripts that are all over the floor here in the coach's <laughs> office. Um, hey, we got a new coach. He's going to be giving you a call up uh, here in like the next month or so. Then all of a sudden, one day I'm sitting there watching like some old track meets from like 1996 Olympics with my dad. And um, it's Carl Lewis and Mike Powell going head to head in the championships. And then all of a sudden I get a phone call. And I look at the phone and it's like some Rancho Cucamonga number or something like that. And I'm like, I don't know who this is. Let me answer the phone. He's like, hey, Steve, this is Mike Powell from UCLA. And I was like, Why, Mike Powell, the world record holder? Damn, man, that's cool. Um, so when he gave me a call and I heard his voice, I, I mean, 
it was amazing because um, nobody like three months before that knew about who I was or anything like that. And I kept being told, hey, they'll come find you if you're worth anything. And I just wasn't willing to hold my, you know, people around me accountable to that. I was like, hey, man, you don't know if these people are going to call me or not. And I can't blame you a year from now. Hey, man, it's your fault they didn't call me. So, you know, I, I kind of had to act in faith, not by sight, and just make those calls and be vulnerable and open. And it ended up working out really well. So, um, Yeah, man, Man. I, that was always like a really good, uh, that, was, that story kind of like really helped me out through life. I, I go back to it a lot of times, actually. Wow. All right. So we're, I'm curious about so many things here. Cause like, I mean, one, you weren't letting up, you weren't going to wait around for opportunity to knock on your door. You know, you were fighting to get your chance. Um, Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm curious on a lot of things. One, how many, how many schools did you have on your list? I think it ended up being 200, but after my first five, I think I was just stretching, you know, because <laughs> I was like, I don't know who's going to say yes. Let me just keep going. And Yeah. I had this, uh, I don't know, there's some book, I forget who comes out with it, but there's some book every year, like the top schools um, academically. So I just went in reverse order with that, including like Yale and Cornell and Ivy League schools, which they wanted me too. But uh, after I started calling them, but then they told you, uh, hey, your, your scholarships are based off of your FAFSA, not your athletic ability here. So you, your family should be able to afford $40,000 a year. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what form you filled out, but that's not happening. <laughs> wow. All right. So who would you, did you just like come up with this idea or did somebody tell you like, Hey, you know, <laughs> somebody tell you this is what you needed to do to get your shot. Um, or, I mean, there's just not a lot of 16, 17 year olds that are, you know, fighting for their opportunity like that. um. You know, when you spend every day working out, getting up at 6 a.m., um, you know, trying to do things um, the right way, get good grades, and your whole life is kind of ran off of that motivation, then you're only willing to accept a – well, there's two realities. There's the way you think reality is and then the re way you think reality should be. And when those two things are congruent, you're, you know, you achieve peace of mind. And for me – Um, no, knowing it or not, if I really felt like I was supposed to do something or I was supposed to be somewhere, I did anything I needed to do to get there. And the only thing that would guide me or um, help support me in that were just principles, you know, principles that I learned from like growing up, principles that I learned from, uh, you know, my faith or, you know, from family. And a lot of those things were that, hey, you know what, um, there's no one beneath me there's only one person above me and he's not a person it's you know the holy spirit for me so when i move like that you know i realize um there's no shame in being vulnerable and asking people for what you want there's no shame in being told uh no because i'm more afraid of of uh having to walk around with that voice in my head telling me what i should have done and not honoring or listening that versus getting a no from somebody in the external world because i know that that no is not even a no to me it's just a no to whatever they perceive my <laughs> my action of asking is you know um Yeah. so that's kind of like the idea just came from just the um i don't know, just like the fear of uh it not happening
you know, like, hey, what if it doesn't happen? I have to go to 13th grade is what I call community college at the time. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just I always saw myself going to a, a top school um, for basketball. And, uh, and you know, hey, when I had to pivot and make it track, I was like, well, I'm F it, it's track. Let's go. <laughs> Wow. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many things that I, that I love about this, right? Because, um, man, those are some, like, you didn't have skills about like cold calling or writing a script. Like, you're just like, this is what I want and I'm going to go get it. And at least if I don't get it, I'll know that I did everything that I could and put it all out there to get it rather than kicking myself and saying, I wish I would have, or what if I would have done, you know, more. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, and I think it always comes from the the one gift I think my parents gave me was they didn't ever really like necessarily do stuff for me, um, but they provided me the opportunity to um, make things happen. So one thing my dad always asked me at the end of every track meet, whether it went good, bad in between was, well, did you do your best today? I was like, yeah, I was like, All right, man. Well, if you if you did that poorly and it was your best, then you did your best. And he would give me a pound, and I was like, okay, cool, I got it. Because sometimes you go out there and you really do. You put everything you got together, and it just doesn't come together, and that's fine. Uh, failure is okay. That's how you grow. Um, if you're afraid to fail, it's very difficult to you know grow quickly. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, if you're afraid to fail, there's a good chance you're not going to do much. You're not going to take much action because man, that fear can demotivate you from doing anything. Yeah. Or like, um, and, and for me, you know, Hey, like I, I do have a lot of fears, but you know, the way I, I kind of learn to deal with fear is by like stacking fears up on top of each other. And then which one's more fearful, you know, I might be afraid to, I don't know, jump across like from a, a one building to the next, but Hey man, if a, you know, a, I don't know, a wolf or something was chasing me, I bet you I'll jump across that building very quickly. Right. Cause if it's, it's fight or flight. Right. So like learning how to like uh, how your own mentality works or learning how, um, you know, you honestly work with yourself and figuring out ways around that and using it as a resource um, kind of comes from having the gratitude of being thankful for all your limitations or failures or challenges in front of you and knowing that on the other side of that um, is something nobody can take away from you, which is you got all the skills to be able to get over that fear. Uh, and that's kind of like the whole point of why it was there in the first place. Um, otherwise you wouldn't fear it. Right. Yeah. All right. So you got, you got into UCLA, uh, as a jumper, right. Mm -hmm. And then what, what'd you, what did you, uh, what'd you go to school for there? Honestly, I wanted to be in business. Oh, I didn't know what exactly, um, or law. And when I went there, um, you know, like you're a student athlete, but at the same time, you know, when your scholarship is there or, you know, you're on a team, you really got to fit around the schedule that you need to have. So there's only so many classes that are available. So I ended up um, going with an English major. And the reason I, and the way I made that work was, well, with the English majors, they didn't uh, have these like required Friday or Thursday lab classes. So I was able to go to English class and not, you know, automatically fail by not attending some classes for travel schedules and all that. And there was no, you know, special privilege for athletes um, for that particular like business economics course. And, um, and yeah, that kind of forced me to become a better writer anyhow. And I figured, you know what, if I'm going to be a lawyer, 
I didn't go to a school where they really like, you know, it wasn't the best school in the world, right? I went to Wyoming High School in Oxnard, and um, you know, it, at the time, it wasn't one of the best, you know, like educations out there. Uh, great people, but not the best curriculum, I would say. And um, my math was very high when I did my entry level stuff, but my writing, it just, it just wasn't really there. Um, I remember even getting like a pretty bad grade on my first paper and then just being like, you know what, I'm not going to sit here and get bad grades with writing, especially if I want to be a lawyer. Um, so, you know, I just, I just doubled down and learned how to write. And by the end of it, you know, I decided to be an English major and uh, ended up, you know, getting a lot of A's in my classes, which was great, but it was not easy. I had to go to a lot of TA's uh, sessions and ask them like, Hey, you know, you gave me a, a C minus, like, why is it a C minus? And then they would tell me why it was a C minus. Hey, if I bring it back to you like this, then, you know, like, what can we do about the grade? And a lot of times I would get my grades boosted because, you know, I wasn't willing to accept the uh, C minus. I just asked them, what's the gap? What we got to do? And, Yeah. you know, they, they would, they liked it. They would help me out and I got better that way. I mean, uh, there's two things I love about that, right? It's is one, you know, you, you some people would take the easy route, like, hey, I'm good in math, so you know, maybe I'm gonna focus more on that, right? But you took a different approach. You say, here's what I'm not that great at, or I'm not as strong at, or you know, this is what I feel is gonna push myself to to do better. And, and that's the path that you took. Right. And, and again, there's this common theme of, of, you know, you not being able to accept and what, you know, a certain bar that you establish for yourself and, you know, pushing yourself in uncomfortable situations where it's like, Hey, asking, what can I do? How, you know, how can I get better at this? You know, asking for feedback. And those are skills that a lot of people just aren't taught and don't have. Um, and they can take you some great places. So, All right. So I'm curious, you know, what was your, when, when, after UCLA, um, what was your first, you know, professional, uh, you know, path, you know, career, what was the first job you had? My first job I had was actually writing product descriptions for $12 an hour in the San Fernando Valley in the heat of the summer. Cause one of my neighbors, uh, my senior year, she gave me an opportunity cause you know, she was like, Hey, what are you going to do? I was like, I mean, I don't know. We just finished track season. Like we went to nationals, then it was like finals and it was graduation. And then it's like, all right, go get a job. And, um, you know, I was, kind of caught off guard on what I was going to do, but I didn't have a car. I didn't have a suit. So the first thing I did was I wrote product descriptions for $12 an hour and um, stayed with my parents for a few months. And I saved up enough money to be able to get the car. Um, it was like a Honda Accord for like, I don't know, like $9,000 or something like that. And that got me to work. And then the next thing I did was I saved up like another month or two And uh, then I went to Men's Warehouse and uh, <laughs> and got a buy one, get one free uh, suit, which I was super pumped about because I was like, oh, man, they might have a second interview. Right. Um, so I got my suits there uh, for like 400 bucks or 300 bucks or whatever, like the cheapest like suits were. Um, and then um, then I started to interview. And uh, first thing I did was talk to a recruiter and they said, so what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. Um, I do want to be, I've always wanted to be a lawyer, but I obviously need to go to law school and that's expensive because they don't have a track team. Uh, <laughs> so um, when I sat down with the loan officer and they told me how much it was going to cost, I was like, I don't know if I'm willing to pay uh, like, you know, three or 400,000 to go to school just to get a job 
to make, you know, a certain amount of money. Like how long is it going to take for me to catch up? And, um, then I just kind of like, he asked me, well, what is it that you really want to like do for a living? I was like, I don't know, but I've always seen myself wearing a suit, um, uh, standing in front of people in a boardroom, uh, pointing at a screen or pointing at something. And then there's tall buildings everywhere. He's like, Oh, so you want to do sales? And I was like, I don't know what sales means. Then he explained it. And then I went on a, like 10 different interviews. And when I went on the different interviews, I ended up going with CentOS first aid and safety because they were the only ones who can explain how the hell I was getting paid. Because <laughs> everybody else <laughs> You mean all me. the other comp plans were just too uh, complicated to even understand? <laughs> well, they just, well, it was just like, um, I, there wasn't alignment. Like the truth and what I saw just wasn't there. It was like, yeah, you can make $200,000 a year here. Phenomenal. Um, what's the base? 27,500. Cool. Yeah. Um, okay, great. So I spent all day with this guy and, you know, we knocked on 80 different doors. He literally lied to like 40 different people that we talked to about why he was there. And I was <laughs> like, man, I don't, I don't like this. And then, you know, he's like, oh, I got a sale today from our stuff today. So that's one sale. So I'm at, I'm almost at quota. And I'm like, one sale, almost like, how much are you getting paid on that? 300 bucks, 300 bucks one sale almost at quota how does that make sense so then i come back and they're, they're like yeah you get 300 bucks every sale and um we, we require you know about like you know your first month first couple months one month or one deal a month and then after that it's three deals a month and uh yeah and I'm like, so so how do you go from 900 dollars a month and twenty-seven thousand five hundred to get into like 200 or 300 grand they're like well it's uncapped <laughs> got it how many are people selling here what's the team at because in the team meeting it said you guys were like 87 percent of plan as a team oh well you know like we're still building stuff right and i was like so like when i was doing the math it's like average mm. person here is probably making like 50 grand maybe and then i started seeing everybody's cars in the parking lot it's just this just like didn't add up and uh. centos wasn't offering me anything spectacular they're like hey look you got these first aid kits you go in there, you fill in the band-aids and the, oh, you go do an OSHA safety walkthrough and, you know, you see if they need a, you know, an eyewash kit and all these different things. And, um, yeah, you get paid 10% of whatever it is you sell each month. And I was like, hey, that makes sense. Let's sign up. Let's do that. Right. So, yeah. um, so I did that for like a, a year, almost like a year and some change. And I was blessed with the old Steve, you're doing a great job. So what we're going to do is, um, you've doubled the production of your route. Now we're going to give you double the territory and we're going to put you on a different commission plan. So basically oh. I went from, you know, like optimizing my route, working two or three hours a day, um, like in real, like work and going from place to place to all of a sudden, like 10 to 15 hours a day and getting paid like 10% less. So, um, one of my clients that I was blessed with in that situation was paychecks. And, uh, one of their first aid kits was in the back sales office and I saw one of the sales managers there and it said now hiring outside. And I just had to ask him, I said, Hey man, what would it take for me to be wearing a suit and coming to work instead of this goofy first aid uniform I'm wearing? <laughs> um, and the guy's name was Bill Lynch. And he's like, you know, from like uh, Northeast, I think Brooklyn. And he's just like, well, son, you got any sales experience? And I'm like, I don't know. Sales is about getting results, right? Yeah. And I'm like, I ran track and field and I got a scholarship there. And you know, if I didn't perform every year, then I wouldn't get my scholarship renewed. So, you know, if all you're telling me, I got to do is sell some payroll to some people, I think I can accomplish that. He's like, I think so too. Let's have an interview. So then, you know, we had an interview and, um, you know, he pretty much just told me, Hey, look, man, if you can get into UCLA and do track and field, then you can sell payroll. So we'll try it out. 
Then I remember my first day, I'm excited. I got my laptop. I got my iPhone, my company iPhone, and I got my suit on. And I'm like, man, I'm somebody. <laughs> and he was just like, all right, cool. Here's your list. Here's a script. Let me know when you're done with your, uh, with your calls. You want to get to probably like 75 today. <laughs> all right. And I remember I stuck the list up there and I remember just sitting there and my heart's all beating and I'm like, I don't fucking know what to do. So I just go over to his office and I'm like, hey, man, I don't know what I'm really supposed to be doing here, man. He was just like, all right, I'll sit right behind you. He's like, you pick up the phone. You listen to it. It's got a dial tone. It does. Okay, cool. Now you press <laughs> pound nine and here's the number and just read, read, the, read the lines. Man, I was getting like, oh, I got crapped on. I got shitted on so much. It was great. Um, after the first four or five of them, um, I got a little more comfortable. And then he was like, okay, so you know what's going to help you out? Let's do this live. So we go out in person and start cold calling. I remember this dental office um, on Victoria Avenue in Ventura. I go up to the front desk and I'm like, he's like, all right, son, go in there and you know do your thing. Just get the four corners of the business card. How many employees, who are they using? Are they semi-monthly, weekly, whatever? And then who do we talk to? So I go in there and I'm like, hi, my... And then they're just looking up at me. Yes. And I'm like... <laughs> I, I just walked out. And then, he just looked, <laughs> and then he just looks at me and he's just like, so what happened? I was like, I just walked out. And he was just like, wow. And I was like... I didn't know what to say. And he was just like, what do you want to know? And I was like, I want to know what I'm going to be doing with this shit today because this is embarrassing, <laughs> man. I think I might know that person from high school or something like that. I'm coming in here asking for some shit. I don't even know, man. And then um, and then he was just like, uh, he's like, you know what, man, just just go. He's like, I'll go with you. So he goes in there and he's like, hey, look, is he bothering you? And then the lady kind of laughs. No, he just came in here and like had a goofy smile and didn't say anything and walked out. And I'm like <laughs> sitting there like while they're having this conversation. He's like, well, look, what he wanted to say was he's new. This is his first day. He's new to sales. He's never done this before. He's trying to look sharp. He probably got his tie from his dad's closet. And, you know, you came in here and you scared him off. I need to talk to, I need to talk to the person who handles your payroll. And she's like, what? He's like, I need to talk to the person who handles your payroll. And they're like, Oh, we use ADP. Oh, we use ADP for what? All like eight people here or something. Yeah. We got all like 15 people here and blah, blah. Oh, that's good. I mean, you know, so like who, 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 who handles the billing for all that stuff? Oh, that would be our office manager. She'll be in tomorrow at 10. Um, okay. Well, you know, could, could we maybe pop in tomorrow and say hello and introduce ourselves? She's like, why don't you just give her a call and just schedule a time to uh, come in like all the other, like, you know, reps do. And he's like, like all the other reps do. Okay, cool. And then he gave me the business card and he left. And he's like, you see, son, you just got to go out there and talk to people. Mm. So then he had me try the next one and I was still nervous and goofy, but oh man, I remember sitting there like, um, Okay, look, I just told the person the truth. Okay, look, I'm new to sales. My manager's <laughs> out there. He wants to see me come out with the four corners of the business card. I don't want to waste your time. Um, I know the product is good. I'm just in the way of the product. But I work at Paychex. Oh, you work at Paychex, the place across the way? We're customers of theirs. We actually, hey, can we talk? Because we want to upgrade. Uh, we got another account we got to set up. No shit. Like, right? Like, and then all of a sudden, like, that's how I ended up getting my first sale. Um, it was, like, on, like, a live cold call like that. And, um yeah. And then he, you know, that, just that kept first sale me, like, helps so much with the confidence, though, right? Like, I mean, 
being new in sales sucks. It, it, it it's does. tough. You know what I mean? And it's, it's a little easier when you're on the phone, right? Cause you know, you get caught up, you know, you can just hang up, but when you're, you're in there. person, <laughs> you're in person, <laughs> you know you learn some stuff in person man (laughs) you're you're a lot more vulnerable right and so i mean but getting that first sale having that good first conversation that goes well that is key man you just got to keep moving forward till that happens it takes longer than it then you know it takes sometimes it takes longer for some than others um but once you get that first sale or you book that first meeting or whatever the case is and you got to take that energy to keep you going because you're probably going to get your teeth kicked in at least 10 more times before you, before you get another positive result. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and that can feel, you know, really um, detrimental, you know, anytime to it, especially like when you're changing jobs sometimes, too. I don't think people realize, like, you know, you're at the top of the totem pole at whatever company you're at. And then some people don't really realize like, oh, well, like, oh, I'm the number one elite salesperson in the world at my company. Well, if you don't know how to get appointments and you don't know how to generate leads and the company isn't feeding them to you, then I'm not going to say you weren't a real salesperson. I'm going to say that you just signed up for a different job. So don't expect yourself to perform there. It takes a little bit longer. It's a little bit harder. You can be the most brilliant. Everybody's great at the sales conversation and presenting pretty decks and all that stuff that that piece is easy because they're interested what's hard is um figuring out i don't know this person they don't know me i don't know their situation their time or anything really happening with them and i have to find a way to connect with them and then figure out how i can help them in some way shape or form and um what turned for me was like about like eight months in nine months in i just decided to change up my approach um mostly because this guy said, Hey, why'd you call me with the corny, uh, Dale Carnegie, 10 o'clock, two o'clock close. And I just told him, I was like, well, what clothes do you recommend works best to close somebody like you? He was like, I mean, just ask me, Hey, if you're available at 12, then like, yeah, then let's do 12. I was like, are you available at 12? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. He's like, ah, oh, oh, you got me. Okay. That was good. All right. I'll meet with you. All right. <laughs> You know, so it's honestly like the market disciplined me in a lot of ways. Um, they just told me what to say. I was like my customer telling me, hey, this yeah. is what I want to know. Um, a lot like the genius around what you're doing with like the podcasting and some of the advice that you know, you've given me in the past, which is, um, hey, you know, if you interview the people that you would like to work with, then you really build really great connections with them. Right. And in a way, that's kind of what I started to do. Just, hey, man, what, hey, I'm new to payroll. I'm in this area. Hey, what would you recommend? Who would you recommend I go talk to? Who do you think would need something like this? I know you guys are already set up with whoever you guys are set up with, but who do you think I should go talk to? And then they'd start telling oh, my neighbor, Jim, you should tell him I told you to go over there. And then it's like, then that's how I learned. But most of my learning experience came but it's, from it's live. Kind of full cir- yeah, it's kind of full circle though, right? Because you were even doing that when you were cold calling schools, right? And they're like, yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. man. We don't got a coach. We ain't got a scholarship for that, you know? Yeah. But you were asking them, hey, who should I call? Who is looking for a jumper, right? Mm-hmm. Like you took, I mean, that was something that you had practiced with early on um, that you started using in your sales role, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, when you're, switch, when you're new, when you're switching to a new role or a new company or whatever the case is, and even if you're not, man, your prospects don't care if you won President's Club. They want to know what's in it for them. How are you going to help them? <laughs> That's it. How can I get their sales team to President's Club or whatever that may be or whatever they're trying to do or get them to the point where they can afford to have a 
you know, a president's club. That would be wonderful, right? Um, yeah, I mean, that's honestly like a lot of um, a lot of the experience I had too in selling. Uh, man, I had all these like great ideas about like what would be it would be so great if we could do this instead of this, or our customers really want this instead of that. How come like nobody's really thinking about this or doing it? And then, you know, I started to realize and write down all my frustrations and started to try to learn, like, why are these things happening or not happening? And even talking to executives in the company and stuff about, like, different things, uh, shamelessly in a lot of ways. I mean, I wasn't afraid to DM our CEO at Trina. Hey, man. Hey, Bert, how's it going, man? Blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he would write back sometimes. Sometimes they wouldn't. But, you know, I had no shame. I'm like, hey, I'm making money for you, so... If we if we were going to talk, like, hey, I'd be a great person to talk to or keep motivated, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, it's like you just got to be a human, you got to be a person, you got to know what you want, and then um, also know with whoever you're talking to, what do they want, and then figure out that Venn diagram of how you both get what you guys want. Where's the where's the little eclipse, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so tell me a little bit about what you're doing now. So what I'm doing now is. Honestly, uh, when I was working at companies like ADP, Paychex, Trinet, and I was selling people HR and health benefits and all that, I believed in my product. I felt like it was good for them when I was working with them. But the one thing I always really wished I could do was I knew my sales process was a first meeting. Then they have to collect all the data. Then they have to fill out our specific forms, which are different than the other companies' forms. And then we have to do a demo. And then we need to review all the stuff. And I always thought to myself, like, man, I do not want to put my customer through five or six of these different things, you know, like all the time. Because I feel bad. Like, you know, that's like, you know, with me, they might be spending 10 to 15 hours. Then with four other people, they're doing it. So when I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to do next, I just like was like, man, you know, I've always wanted to be there for the customer and say, Hey, why don't you just let me go out and shop this stuff for you? Since you, a don't really like care that much about what your insurance, what you get for insurance. You just want to make sure your people are happy with it. You want to make sure that, um, if you're buying it, that they're going to use it. And that's the hard part, like shopping for insurance. I mean, if you don't know what you're doing, I mean, yeah, you can waste a lot of money and mm. it, you can't pay people, um, salaries and you can't pay insurance with credit cards really i mean you got to pay it with cash so a lot of the tech companies i serviced you know they needed help with this stuff and i i just wanted to position myself where it's like hey let me go shop it for you so then when i started looking at uh, my relationships with like insurance agents and brokers in the past and cpas and all the different people i just decided you know what i'm just going to start a hr and insurance services company where i just help people figure out hey should i use adp should I use Rippling? Should I use, you know, Gusto? What do I use? Well, it really kind of depends on your company's uh, whole uh, people strategy and HR. So I'm just combining all that stuff together to figure out what's the perfect benefit package for the employees. What's the perfect insurance plan for the company for like workers comp, health, you know, key man insurance, life, all those different things. And how do we make those bundles um, exciting for the employees? how do we make it exciting for the company so that they can grow revenue and expand? Um, you know, I'm basically taking something very boring and trying to make it come alive for people um, without <laughs> them having to be too involved with it. Cause it's not what they do, but something I always enjoyed. It's not sexy, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, enjoyed learning a little bit more about your story.
uh, tons of learning lessons there for folks tuning in. Where's the best place for people to get into your world, Steve? Honestly, LinkedIn is probably one of the best places to get into my world. Um, but an even better place to get in my world is, hey, just you can reach out to me either at Steve at Think with the Q insurance.com or you can text message me 805-890-2483. I've had that number since I was 12 years old. So that's the number I called all those schools from. <laughs> yeah, you'd be calling the uh, you'd be calling the infamous infamous phone that uh, cold called his way into a um, scholarship at UCLA. <laughs> that's it, man. I got to get one of those gold phones that Bruno Mars has at his concerts, man. Those big block gold phones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, you put it up on the uh, put it up on the wall. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, awesome. Thanks again. We'll drop the links there in the show notes for everybody who wants to get connected with Steve. Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review. Share the show with your friends. It really does help us out. And then I'm always listening for your feedback. Transformation.fm. Drop me a voice DM, and I will get back to you. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free. Salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad and I might even give you free access to our best templates.